This podcast is part of the Pod Syndicate family. For more criminally compelling shows, articles, and conversations, head to wearepodsyndicate.com. All right, you primitive screwheads, listen up. I'm ready to party! Good morning, Vietnam! Gentlemen, you can't fight in here, this is the war room. Magic myth on the wall. Who is the fairest one of all? Yeah. Well, you know, that's just like uh, your opinion, man. So you're finished for Christmas. It's Christmas time. Two days to go. Mm-hmm. I think we're all set. We are all set because I went and took all the frozen food out the out of my mum and dad's freezer. Thanks, mum and dad, for <laughs> lending us all your space in your freezer. Because we, we, we don't have one. Well, and we all one. we've got left to do is record this podcast. So and welcome. Yeah. You have to wrap presents. I have to wrap presents. I am all organised. I'm going to have a nap. Yes. So welcome to his film, her movie. Hello. I'm Jordan. I'm Lauren. And we are a podcast that takes a theme or subject and discuss two films. Both pick one and we discuss them. And this week we're doing unconventional Christmas movies. Last week was the a quintessential. Yeah. So. We're doing the unconventional ones, the ones that you didn't realise were or were about Christmas or had Christmas in them. Oh, set at Christmas. It's like the whole big argument of, is Die Hard a Christmas movie? And the answer is yes. But I feel like these ones are much more Christmas movies because they have more Christmas in them. True. I feel like Die Hard isn't quite a Christmas movie because every now and then there's an ever so slight reference to Christmas and at one point there's a Christmas tree. That is fair. That is fair. But Good. what are we covering this week? Okay, so I'm covering the 1992 super happy film, Batman Returns. Yes, and I've got 1987's Lethal Weapon, the Richard Donner vehicle. That's as old as me. Yes, starring Mel Gibson and Danny Glover. So yes. two different movies. Completely different movies. But we'll get into them. Um, I don't think we actually have any housework, to be honest. We've got housework. Uh, oh, we've got housework. We've got family coming around for a clean house. But we don't have any, I don't think we have any no. uh, podcasts. Just follow us on the socials for both us and for Pod Syndicate. Yes. Go follow. Uh, go find out those other shows. You can go on wearepodsyndicate.com to find out all those. Yes. For some nice articles and other entertainment pop culture-esque podcasts. Mm-hmm. But I think we might as well just get into the show. Let's do it. And we're going to start with... Batman Returns. I may have saved the mayor's baby, but I refuse to save a mayor who stood by helpless as a baby while Gotham was ravaged by a disease that turned eagle scouts into crazed clowns and happy homemakers into cat women. Yeah, Oswald Cobblepot, the mystery man-beast who's been romancing Gotham, today made his bid to run Gotham. Thank you. Mr. Cobblepot, you are the coolest role model a young person could have. 
And you're the hottest young person a role model could have. Mm. Right. So I picked the 1992 Tim Burton Batman Returns. Now, I remember seeing this a long time ago. Hadn't seen it again for quite a while. So for those of you who don't know, it is the Michael Keating Batman with uh, Michelle Pfeiffer, Donnie, um, Danny DeVito, Christopher Walken, um, and it's about the Penguin. Pretty much. It's set at Christmas. Yes. It has a lot of Christmas iconography in it. It does. They try to light the goddamn tree about three or four times. <laughs> but of course it's set in Gotham so it never goes quite to plan. And with this film, I know it's like I said, as soon as you as soon as you start it, you know it is a Tim Burton film. And you you called that something really fancy. I don't know. It's it's this argument. Some people believe in it, some people don't. It's called the auteur theory. So can can you tell it, it's a filmmaker, certain filmmaker by style, by narrative, by things like that? It's for example, mm-hmm. a Hitchcock film always feels like a Hitchcock film. A Coen Brothers film always feels like a Coen Brothers film. For example, you could watch a film and know it's from a director without even knowing that it's from that director. Can, it's that individual stamp. It's that artist which people don't believe in because... Some people don't believe in it because film is a collaborative mm-hmm. medium. So therefore, you can't really have one artiste, if you will. There, there we are, I'm using. Yeah, artiste. But I think being the creative lead on a project, you definitely can see... I, I fully am fully behind the auteur theory. Well, but, I'm sorry, but if you put together all of Tim Burton's films... Apart from the fact that this one doesn't have Johnny Depp and in it, it, it it's very obviously a Tim Burton film. Well, and that's it, and f- that's one of the reasons why I think. Well, we'll get into it in a bit, but I'm not a big fan of Tim Burton. But I know you're not. I know I, you're not a big fan. I know you like him as well. I like a bit of Tim Burton, yeah. So, but for me, um, yeah. So I remember watching this film, um, but. Because I hadn't watched it in such a long, long time, there was bits that I had completely forgotten about. So it was quite nice to rewatch it. Mm-hmm. Um, I completely forgotten. It's two hours and six minutes long. Yeah. Um, you have Michael Keating as Batman. Keaton. Ke- Keaton. 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 It's not Ronan. <laughs> Keaton. Keaton. Michael, I wrote Keating. <laughs> <laughs> no, he didn't sing in Boyzone. I didn't like Boyzone either. <laughs> okay, Michael Keaton in this, who, as well, when I was watching this, there's like loads of Batman memes, and it's basically his face. Yeah. yeah. So I was like, oh, I know that meme. Um, Danny DeVito, who plays the Penguin, which I loved because it's such a different character to what I've seen of Dan. I've seen more Danny DeVito, more of his like comedy stuff. Yeah. This is a completely different character. Michelle Pfeiffer, who is um, Catwoman. And Christopher Walken. Wal- I can never say his name. Walken. As, um, oh, what's his name? Max Shrek. Max Shrek. Who was supposed to be Two-Face. But they decided to take all of Two-Face's lines and make this new character. Yes. Instead. Um, so Max Shrek is the... Um, multi-millionaire he is greedy businessman he's the big bad really he is like the big bad 
Um, it starts off when the penguins born. Very dramatic martinis. Yes. And eyeglass and smoking and everything. Um, and basically his parents get rid of him. They see him as a complete monster. Um, he does eat a cat. He does eat a cat. He's a little shitbag. <laughs> um, but then... They see him as a monster from the minute he comes out the womb. Yeah, yeah. Could you then argue that he becomes a monster because of nurture rather than you, you could argue that, yeah, but I think that... They lock a child in a cage. It's true, but I don't think that's part of... I don't think they're really talking about that within the film. No, they're not. But I'd like to believe that... Yeah. That's that's what it is. Um kind of worried that all the sewers in Gotham like lead to the penguin enclosure yeah that isn't very good they really need to like check that out and get them some nice clean water um and then so he grows up there with the penguins he looks like a penguin really um and then when he comes up to the surface to start causing havoc he's got his little um they're meant to be like circus freaks, which I don't really like to use that term, but that's, no, they're, what, they're, they're just, that's what they're called. That's what they're mentioned like in the newspaper yeah. as being. It's like the world's fattest man. And it was like, love, you're really not. Um, or what was it? The woman with a poodle. I saw a woman with a poodle today. She wasn't in the circus. So but it's a bunch yeah. of... So what do you think about Batman Returns? I like it. I like it in the sense of... I like a bit of a dark twist to films, mm-hmm. but um, I, you know, I don't like I don't like horror and stuff. So things like this and like Sleepy Hollow and like Edward Scissorhands, I like the sort of the gothic feel. Yeah. But with then without having to worry about seeing lots of people being gruesomely murdered, so I quite like that. Um, the other thing is um, a lot of the modern Batman films like anger me because of batman yeah he just sounds like he needs a cough sweet throughout all of them i, I get that yeah it's just a like, clear your goddamn mouth okay there are better movies though yeah mm, i like we've discussed this before i believe that films based on a comic should have the campness in it if you look at the original comics they were very camp i like a bit of the if you're going to be basing it on an older comic, throw in a bit of that silliness, a little bit of the humour. You're talking about a multi-millionaire playboy who flies through the air catching criminals dressed as a goddamn bat. Okay, it's somewhat a bit stupid. And I, no, don't get me wrong, and I do love the fact that... I do, see, I do like these movies as well. Mm-hmm. Um, the original Tim Burton Batmans. It's just... And they are probably better comic book movies than yes. um, Nolan's trilogy. But Nolan's trilogies, are, for me, are better movies. Because, for example, The Dark Knight. The Dark Knight is a great crime film. Take Batman out of it okay. and it's a great crime see, film. See, I find that hard. I just see it as a Batman film. Um, I don't see it as a crime film. Um, but in this, like we just said, there's like there's barely any Batman in it. And that's one interesting thing about this movie. It's basically, it's basically the Penguin it's, movie. It's, it should be called Penguin. Yeah. And Danny DeVito does so much oh, yeah. in this film. But then, like, I also really like Michelle Pfeiffer in this film. Because she's got the whole... Um, she says the line, um, 
don't rely on a man to save you to the woman that she ends up saying saving yeah. she's like you're just swanning around um not paying attention and expecting batman to come and save you you shouldn't be like that like she saves her mm. and lets her go but it's quite a bit of an empowerment sort of movie for women she's not a huge role in it but the sort of stuff that she does and that she says she's like i don't need you but that's it though for, for me it's penguin then Selena Kyle slash Catwoman has mm-hmm. more screen time than Batman oh, as well. And, it, it's, and this is for me, it's like Tim Burton did not want to make this movie. <laughs> no, he did not. He didn't want to make another Batman movie. To be honest, he didn't really want to make a Batman movie in the first place. Mm-hmm. He, he was sort of like, he got, he got pushed into it in a bit, in a way. And then when he got had to do Batman Returns, because Batman was such a massive success, that I was thinking he said, okay, I want to make my movie. Yeah. And therefore, this is where the idea of making a bit more of a, Darker. Yeah, see, the original Batman has some Tim Burton esque notes to it, mm-hmm. but not a lot. Where this one, I think, he's very much going back into his style. And don't get me wrong, some of that, some about that, that I love. Like, I love Gotham. Yes, in those, it's such an extra. But that's it. it, it it's it's like, so bougie. It's like Fitz Lang's Metropolis, but yes. with color. It's gorgeous. The map paintings and the set designs and the use of oh, it's. It's like a random stone face, just like at the, at the yeah, in the bottom of a wall so in a dark alley, and it's just like, what kind of architect would put that there? A Gotham architect, because they need to have like stone carvings and the gothic nature everywhere. It does. It looks beautiful. The film, um, and then I get the gothic grandioseness of it all, mm-hmm. like especially in the beginning when you've got the big sort of manor and when um, Cobblepot is born. And it just looks so over the top and campy, and that is what it. his Batman is. And I do like that Batman as well. Um, but yeah, it's. I think what what gets me most about it is Danny DeVito because it's such a strange performance from him, mm-hmm. and not 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 it's not that he's um, out of of kills or anything like that. It's just like what he's actually doing in this big sort of blockbuster. Like for example, it's such a horny performance. It is. He's a very thirsty bitch in this. You know what I mean? When he's when he go, when he comes down and he gets announced for me um, and Max Schreter and he's just groaning and groping people, groping people. It's like it's so weird, but it works. He's got like fish dangling from his mouth and everything like that and it's it's disgusting but it's watchable and he is the reason to watch the movie mm-hmm. and like michelle pfeiffer as well i think she's really good in it i mean when she first makes the catwoman costume and there's a shot of her it's sort of outside of her um, apartment block and you yeah. see her and the cats are coming into the window and she's just standing there in the suit and it's got um, hell here, like you say, yes. hello there. And it's just, that looks straight out of a comic book. That looks like a panel. That's it. And that, I think that's why I like it because um, it is, like, lines some have been used in other things. Like, okay, we're going to go on to one of my second loves apart from camp films, and that is RuPaul's Drag Race. Yeah. And when Alaska turns up in the workroom, she says one of Catwoman's lines. And, um, oh, what is it? So I am Catwoman, hear me roar. No, oh. it's like some Miss Kitty, but I feel so much yummier. Oh, right, okay. That's one of her very first lines. I think the first season that she's in, when she walks into the um the workroom, which, like, 
I actually didn't realise until I saw this film again. And I was like, oh, that's where she got that line from. Yeah. And a lot of it is, like, I read about how when they made the set, um, the whole set was like, it's a proper set. Mm. And they would just move it around. Apparently, Michelle Pfeiffer used to get lost, like, every single day trying to go right I need to go here because overnight they like start moving things and she's like well that building was over there oh yesterday and that's where I'm supposed to be but now it's like behind me and I don't know where I'm going and I I love the fact that I like you see a lot of Tim Burton stuff and it is very hands-on he likes his crazy costumes he likes his dramatic makeup it is for me not not more more realistic but more touchable and that and that's yeah I and I understand his practical effects. For me, it's not really in his early work. It's in his later work. It's when it's style for style's sake. Mm-hmm. I don't like it when it actually has some impact on the story. Like for example, Gotham is in in his version of Gotham is very campy and it's very sort of. Um, art deco. I was going to say bougie. And bougie. And, for example, again, Edward Scissorhands, that gothic nature works for that. Mm-hmm. Um, Especially with the juxtaposition of the normal townsfolk where everything's pink and blue and green. And, and that's it. And even when you go on Edward, I mean, Edward is very much subdued compared compared to other Tim Burton films. But then when the crazy costumes, the crazy colours, the crazy sets have nothing to do with the film. Mm-hmm. And it's just there because... It's Tim Burton. Yeah, that annoys me, and it, and that's when I think is it is Tim Burton. Let's go back to that term. Is, is Tim Burton an auteur? Because mm-hmm. that visual style is adding nothing to the narrative. No, but I think it definitely does too in this. One. Yeah, it does. Yeah, because the film is so dark. Um, the thing was, say the actual penguins themselves. They have baby penguins there, yes. which are gorgeous. And then they strap like little rockets to them and then they waddle through the streets. Adorable, even though they're coming to kill like everybody. Um, but then they obviously have like some fake ones and some like robot type ones. And for a film set in like the early 90s, unless they're under bright lights, they actually don't look that mm. bad. They're pretty good. No, they do. They look very good. And it, it works as well because obviously being Batman, most of the film takes place at night. And it's mm-hmm. one of the reasons why I quite like the Christmas setting because when you've got the darkness of Gotham with the white of the snow and the blue light coming from the moon, it all looks very lovely. Yes. Um, and then you have that little like bit of colour just coming yeah. from the Christmas tree really makes it stand out. Yeah, and like you're talking about the penguin as well. It's like what, what DC do better and they do way better than Marvel is villains mm-hmm. and one thing that this film takes into into um account is the fact that the villains necessarily are way more interesting than the heroes yeah and therefore batman in this iteration is probably the dullest character in the film i think he gets enough screen times so that we know who he is we can see we want we root for him he doesn't really have an arc but he falls yeah. he sort of has that to and fro with catwoman but he is so so passive, um, and therefore, yeah, it's Batman in no, name only. It's very yeah. much Penguin's film, and even Max Shrek. I mean, Max Shrek was created, as you said, for the film. He's mm-hmm. never been in any other Batman since, and that kind of lessens it to me in a way because he is the big bad, but 
I don't but really care. So. Yeah, but I don't really care about it. Or, or, I mean, he hasn't came up in any comics or anything. No, like no. But just because they used, um, it, he was supposed to be yeah. Two Face, and then um, I read and I can't remember why. Um, I think it was because this one was meant to carry straight on from the last one, mm. but then because Tim Burton wanted to change it so much, they didn't want Two Face in it. So what? they actually rewrote it before they shot it, uh, and they just used all the same lines and just put it into a new character. And that's it. And Tim Burton actually doesn't even see this as a sequel. He just no. sees it as a completely different story, which is tells you one thing about it. Because I mean, the original Batman, I think, is a still a better film than Batman, Batman Returns, but they are two completely different beasts. Which is the one that has Mister Freeze? That is Batman and Robin. Oh, oh. the original Batman's Jack Nicholson as Joker. Yes, it is. I've seen that one. I like that one. I just I just like the campness. Yeah. That's why I like Mr. Freeze as well. You know, why would you not love Arnie dressed up? Like, and just saying ice puns. Just saying ice puns all the way through <laughs> to me. That is like an Oscar-worthy performance. <laughs> it is brilliant. But do you have any fun facts? I've got a few, right? I've got, I literally, this whole film, you need to go onto IMDb. There's so many fun facts. There's like little things like about how um, Tim Burton completely redesigned how the penguin looked mm. and stayed away from the original costume because he didn't like it. So put him in his new costume and everything. Um, but uh, this was actually the first film made in Dolby Digital. Right. So this is to showcase how good it was. And um, it had the biggest opening weekend ever in the US until the next year when it was then beaten by Jurassic Park. Really? So, if it wasn't for Jurassic Park being such a big film, it probably would have lasted a bit longer. Because you remember, like, nothing beat beat mm. Jurassic Park for a long time. But because it was just shown off everywhere, um, and the new technology and everything. Um, the bus stop posters that featured Catwoman were constantly stolen. Like, right. people were breaking into the bus shelters and stealing them to the point where they actually put security right. on to stop people from stealing them. And if anybody finds one of these posters, if it's a bus stop poster, apparently it's worth so much money now because there were so many were just stolen. That in uh. the end, they went, we're not doing this poster anymore. So people were obviously really liking Michelle Pfeiffer. Yeah, and you can understand why. She looks amazing in it. Um, her catsuit was actually vacuumed on. Right. To her. So she could only act for a certain amount of time before she would like be like, okay, too tight, can't breathe. And apparently it would mean that she would like scream her lines because she couldn't hear ha. what she was doing. So Tim Burton's like, quiet. Inside voice, Michelle. Um, McDonald's had a whole range of toys for their Happy Meals and everything. Yeah. And then when the film came out, they had to scrap the whole thing because parents were saying you can't give our children toys for this film it's a 15 as well i think as well yeah so. they didn't realize how violent it was going to be they thought it was going to be like the last batman but, film but the, yeah well that's it i think when they do mismarket this because i think they're both 15s but yeah batman you can see is being comic books and kidsy where they're not yeah so um that was a huge backlash and um i found my absolute favorite fact so they wanted to use tame king penguins because king penguins can be quite territorial and attack people. Yeah. There is a place that has tame king penguins and it's in the it's in Coventry in the UK. So they got them from there. They flew them over in a special like cooled unit in the plane. They had a refrigerated trailer 
they had a special pool that was um had half a ton of fresh ice every single day they got fresh fish every single day from the harbor because that's where they were near filming they got treated like absolute royalty and then by the end of filming most of the penguins had either mated or laid eggs which apparently is a sign of a very happy penguin because people were really worried that they were being mistreated and they were able to go no look we've put all this stuff into place and look at all the baby penguins that we're gonna have because of it (laughs) so i really like the fact that they obviously really took like a huge amount of care in looking after these penguins um just so that way you know they were happy and they obviously were because they then went on to have lots of babies Brilliant. Should we move on to my movie? We will. So we'll move, move on. on to yours. We'll have a little break and we'll come back with Lethal Weapon. Cool. The Mulberry Boys, every Friday night. On the show, you better know they keep it tight. ETL is back and the J-Strom's in the zone. Introduce the co-host, he doesn't do it alone. PCZ is about to hold court. You know he's on the headset, you can hear him snort. Pop culture movies, TV shows and games. Rotten Tomatoes reviews news and Blu-rays. Foggy don't play around, he will bust a drop fast. Welcome to the Entertainment Landfill Podcast. The Jason and Steven Show. It's the Jason and Steven Show. What? The Jason and Steven Show. It's the Jason and Steven Show. CS3P Combat. Player one, choose your character. Tired of film and television podcasts where the hosts exist in a blissful state of agreement? Instructor. Player two, choose your character. While you're in luck. Hunter. Round one, fight. Allow me to introduce you to the Chinstroker vs. Punter podcast, featuring two film and television fans from Birmingham, England, who enjoy their media in very different ways. But anyway, that brings us to the end of the plot of Blue Velvet. The plot. I mean, the main characters are two of the dullest main characters I have ever encountered in any film. So join us as we catch up on what we've been watching from our own very different perspectives. Double KO. Round two. Fight. You can find us at csvsp.libson.com, also on Spotify, iTunes, Stitcher, all the places that podcasts can be found. Just really, it's isn't. not visually striking. No, I just just getting confirmation. It's just inning. That's the third time, though. I mean, am I, is this on? Hey, oh, okay, no bullshit. You want to kill yourself? Oh, for Christ! Shut up! Yes or no? You want to die? Yes or no? How? I got the job done. What the hell do you want? Didn't answer the question. Oh, what do you want to hear, man? Do you want to hear that sometimes I think about eating a bullet? Huh? Well, I do. I do. I even got a special one for the occasion with a hollow point. Look, make sure it blows the back of my goddamn head out. Do the job right. Every single day I wake up and I think of a reason not to do it every single day. And you know why I don't do it? This is going to make you laugh. You know why I don't do it? The job. Doing the job. Now, that's the reason. You want to die. I don't. I'm not afraid of it. I ain't afraid of it. Take my gun. Don't nibble on the barrel. Pull the trigger. Go ahead, pal. Be my guest. Go ahead if you're serious. You shouldn't tempt me, man. 
put it in your mouth. Bullet might go through your, your ear and not kill you. Yeah, under the chin. Yeah, 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 under the chin. <laughs> So Lethal Weapon is a 1987 film directed by Richard Donner, but I think most importantly written by Shane Black. Yeah, he wrote this, he wrote Last Boy Scout, he wrote Last Action Hero, um, and then he moved on to even bigger films. He sort of took a break and he wrote Kiss Kiss Bang Bang, which kind of put Robert Downey Jr. back on the map to make him able to get Iron Man. Oh, okay. And then he written direct Iron Man 3. Okay, yeah, I like that film. So, um... What is Lethal Weapon? Lethal Weapon is Mel Gibson as Martin Riggs, mm-hmm. is Danny Glover, is Roger Murtar. One is crazy. One is a family man. It's a buddy cop movie, and they they try to solve a crime revolving around this crime circle heroin bust. That's really it. Um, Plot wise, to be honest, it's not really that important because the entire film is centered around. Martin Riggs and Roger Murtagh because this didn't really create it but it brought back on the map the idea of the buddy cop movie um, and the chemistry between the two makes this film what it is like Mel Gibson in, is a controversial figure yeah. obviously now what I'm about to say doesn't mean that I support his worldviews or anywhere but damn do I miss him from my screens he is so charismatic and like in this film is so watchable. He just came off stuff like The Road Warrior and Mad Max and stuff like he's that. He's still got the same bloody hair. His mullet deserves a best supporting actor Oscar. His mullet looks goddamn fake. It looks amazing. It looks so bad. <laughs> but yeah, it's a quintessential, uh, as you'll get to know, like Shane Black script. It's action it's boobs. quick quick wit there's boobs it's we had a little talk after the film because we don't know we generally don't talk about our views after the film because we're like well we'll save it for the podcast yes but we'll get into your views because i think they're completely different to mine <laughs> but this film is and shane black really they're very male oriented films and yes. the way i try and explain it it's like it feels like there's testosterone that's sort of sweated into the celluloid. <laughs> and, yeah, it's so masculine. And the relationship between Murtaugh and Riggs is very much sort of a heightened, not homoerotic or anything like that, but you know what I mean? It's like a squabbly married couple. Mm-hmm. The complete opposites, but as we all know... Complete opposites attract and work well together. Yes. So therefore, it really does play off that. Um, and I said the plot really isn't interest. It isn't massively interesting. It's just all to do with that central relationship. Um, and yeah, it's bloody brilliant. This film. Now you speak. Okay. So I agree. They have a very good relationship. It's good to see them bounce off each other. They've got really good timing. All that really good however to me i felt like the plot of this film i did need something because it it was it was just like a man's film yeah okay first off it's creepy as hell that every single member of 
da- uh, Danny Glover. Danny Glover's family come into the bathroom whilst he's naked in the bath with a birthday cake and then hang around. That's just really weird. I couldn't see that happening in real life. So that was a bit weird. Um, why was there sexy music playing when his daughter came down the stairs in her dress? She's like 15 and she's literally objectified throughout the whole of this film. Like, watch it again. Every time she's appeared, there's like a sexy saxophone music. The girl is well underage. That is creepy. Um, the evil guy had really good eyebrows, which I've noticed in a lot of these films. They're always they're always well groomed. They always look really good. They all think that they keep going. Oh my god! Like, um, oh, brain. Mel Gibson. You all think, oh, Mel Gibson. He's suicidal, right? In the first, like, ten minutes of the film, tries to blow his brains out. The man is suicidal, okay? There's no ifs or buts about it. He is, he's suicidal. Yeah. Um, the girl at the start, they've completely ripped off the New York suicide. If you Google the most beautiful suicide, there is a girl who jumps from the top of an incredibly tall building, lands on a car, exactly the same as her, but, you know, she's, she's, Got some clothes on. Um, and looks beautiful. Looks like she's just sleeping on top of a car. I've always thought it was a homage to it. It was. And when as soon as I saw that, I was like, that is the most beautiful suicide. Um, so yeah, it, it goes on like that. Um, Mel Gibson and Danny Glover, they're meant to be like different ages. They both look the same age. Mel Gibson curves on the under, underage daughter. I don't think he does. I think he's, he sees her looking at him and he's just sort of like, this is awkward. No, that is not an awkward smile. That is a, hmm, I'm good looking sort of smile. Um, he, Mel Gibson also says when they suggest that the girl who's killed and Dixie, the prostitute, when they suggest that they were in bed together, Mel Gibson goes, uh, that's disgusting. That So I was like, that's not very fair. There's a few other like, little bits. My main issue with this film yeah. was the ending. Yeah. They had the bad guy. They had him. They was he had he was unarmed. He had his arms behind his head. They had loads of backup coming. And they could have just arrested him and been like, right, done. What did they do? No. It was a chance for Mel Gibson to get his bloody top off, roll around in some mud and some water, and show off. He's pretty average, like, karate skills. Okay? I was just like... Literally, the whole police force is standing around in a circle going, oh, look, they're having a fight. Really? Do you mind just doing your job and arresting the guy? He, he, he stopped them because he wanted to have it out with him. No! He's a police officer. He's just fannying on. And then he beats the guy. It's not worth killing him. Yeah, because you've got about a hundred witnesses and you're going to murder a guy. Not a good idea. Um, And then they just leave him. They all just walk away and like leave the bad guy like slowly getting up. He could have very easily run away. And then finally, um, like literally the next day after the daughter's been like released and everything, he goes round and she's like, oh yeah, I'm great. I'm really happy. Love, you've just seen, like, about 20 men be murdered. You were nearly raped. You were kidnapped. Like, you were put in, like, a drugs den. You had all this horrific stuff happen to you. 
and literally like less than 12 hours later you're like oh yeah hi you're really cute come into like my house and it's nice to see you i was like no <laughs> no okay at least show the girl looking you know like I'm, I'm really happy to be home you know i'm still a bit you know but thank you at least show her like more timid not trying to be like flirting i thought it was a little bit like it, it's a guy's film absolutely it's a total guy's film and the women in it are seen as just they're just pretty or they're shrill because the the female psychology is like this guy is suicidal and he's dangerous and we need to keep an eye on him and he shouldn't be at work and he shouldn't be at work and they're going you say this we'll just see if he blows his brains out but he, 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 and it's like no he's a good cop I'm sorry he's not that good a cop he made a guy jump off a building whilst handcuffed to him he controlled the fall as he says he controls the fall big whoop de doo do you feel better now <sighs> yes <laughs> I love what I love watching this film and just gazing back over my shoulder and the look on your face was like, what has he got me watching tonight? <laughs> I feel like for every film that I get you to watch, you're just gonna get a film where I'm like, what sort of absolute piece of man trash is this? <laughs> well, I think this is a, this is the first one where I think I've went where it's it is it's a proper testosterone fueled action movie but yes but then you also made me watch electric boogaloo 2 that was amazing though. that was like so bad though my favorite bit was the like the dancing fight scene where like nobody like actually touched each other and then we didn't work out who really won that was all right just because that was so bad it became good but for me it's i mean shane black is his style is very much quirky, funny. The action sequences are very good. Yes, they're very yeah. practical as well. Yeah. Like when there's chasing after the um, the daughter in the helicopter is like near enough on top. Actually, it does go on top of the limousine. Yeah. It's so very well staged. Yeah. Um, and what I love about Shane Black as well is his obsession with Christmas because the guy wrote this set of Christmas. Uh-huh. Last Boy Scout, Christmas. Right. Kiss Kiss Bang Bang, Christmas, Iron Man 3, Christmas, Christmas. and his most recent one, actually, the one he wrote did before The Predator, Nice Guys, Christmas. So he's written... Oh, I like Nice Guys. Yeah, so do you know what I mean? Shane Black is buddy cop movies. He makes very, very good buddy cop movies. Yeah. Um, Does he just not have, like, a good Christmas? Well, that's it, but I think, I think Christmas, unlike, I mean... Batman Returns, it is Christmas because it looks nice, where I understand the reason why Lethal Weapon set at Christmas because you can see, yes, Riggs is suicidal, but he's suicidal because of the loss of his wife and what is hard around the holidays. Mm-hmm. You feel so- sorry for yourself, you feel whatever, and it bleeds into the film a bit, I think, yeah. which I quite like. It's not there for any... It's not there for just for aesthetic reasons. It, no. it has a reason to be Christmas at a time. But yeah... I'm not sure if we have any, really anything more to add on Lethal Weapon. And I quite like that you've took most of the time on this one because I can tell you really wanted to get it off your chest. I, I did. I felt like I needed to. And thank you for giving me the chance to get it off my chest. Like I said, I agree with you. They've got good chemistry. I agree that the action shots are really good. Like when he's chasing him and he's shooting him through the crowd and the cars and everything. And 
that was all good. There was just parts of it where I just thought, this is... I feel like a good, a really, really good writer and a good director would want to try and have something maybe a little bit more balanced. And I feel that it when how it's being done, it doesn't take into account feelings of the opposite sex. And I know there's only very few of us. No, no, no. But, I, I completely agree with that. But I think they're it... very one-sided characters. The daughter is either crying or she's flirting. There's nothing else. The wife is either cooking or she's crying. She's done nothing else. And the psychologist is just being shrill. I think it, it is very much a film of its time yes. as well. But it's also a film that, man, I do. There, there is elements that you brought up there which are completely, yes, they should take that into account. Mm-hmm. But it's also a sort of a film that we don't get anymore. We do see that quite a lot because you, this is an adult film, not an adult film, but like it's a film that has adults on its mind where it's like it doesn't, yes. it, it, it doesn't care about the kids no it's not it's not a, an action movie where it's got to get a 12 year certificate or a pg mm-hmm. it's happy with its 18 certificate mm-hmm. and being as sort of vulgar and have nudity and have swearing and have fights and have violence and it not not that you really should well maybe you should like I do sometimes like that in movies. I like yeah. the exploitative nature of some movies because it's you, you can get some enjoyment out of that. And Shane Black, for his time, I mean, there's, there's four lethal weapon movies. Um, I swear to God, if you make me watch all four, we're getting divorced. <laughs> Maybe just the next two. <laughs> but no, um, it's, yeah, it's such a film that we don't get. And I do, and I mean this, like, Mel Gibson is a movie star. He is a movie star. He, he delivers some really, really good monologues in this. I mean, after the jump, when him and Rick, uh, Murtagh go into the, the shop just across the road and he's saying basically how, yeah, and he's, he's got these yeah. crazy eyes, but he's just so high energy and he's like, so much living off that moment and he's saying, yeah, I do, I've got a special bullet for it too, so he does the job well. Wonderful. And I just wish he was a better person. <laughs> Because we get more of him on screen. That's it. It's like, um, oh, what's his name? American Beauty. Kevin Spacey. Kevin Spacey. God. Amazing actor, shit person. And that's it. And it's, it's thing is... And it makes it really hard. Because it's like, I really want to enjoy this film. I, I, yeah, I really want to watch Usual Suspects. I really want to watch LA Confidential. I really want to watch, like, Seven. Like, yes, but, I love that film. And it's... I haven't watched any of them since the accusations because I think it's different as well for actors and directors. For example, I can sit down and watch a Woody Allen movie and people may judge me for this. I can sit down and watch a Roman Polanski movie mm. um, because I, I I can knock, I can enjoy the art, but I'm not seeing them. Okay, so it's like you're, so it, it so, doesn't feel like it's them. Yeah, okay. unless, unless if you're watching, say, Annie Hall or one of the Woody Allen films which you, which is in. But yeah, you enjoy that. Whereas when you when the actor, all you see is the actor there, and you can't. It's very hard to then to separate them from like them. comments or what they've done. And yeah. it is, it's, it's really shame. difficult. But at the same time, you have to then sort of say, it's then do we not watch any Weinstein films? Yeah, it's it's very difficult. Like at what point? Is it is it okay to watch back catalogues, but then not support anything new? Hmm. 
well, Weinstein won't be releasing any movies ever no, again. Movies. <laughs> but you know what I mean? It, it's it's hard to do it that it way. It's like, uh, whereabouts do you draw the line? Because I think it could be your absolute most favourite film and then you you can't ever watch it again. But you yeah. might, if you already own the film, yeah. the money went to them years ago. You're not giving them more money it, it, by it, watching it. Uh, it. It's a conversation for another time, you it's know hard. what I mean? It's, it's, really it's a lot. It's a long little, long sort of discussion that you would have around it. But I think that is another episode in the can. Yes. Our last right. one before Christmas. Yes. So before we do finish, we hope you all, all have a good Christmas. Yes, eat lots of chocolate, drink yeah. lots of Prosecco. We'll be back before the new year. Yes. With another episode next week. So therefore, we will be back. So we'll see you before 2020 kicks in. And for 2020, I'm going to wear a flapper dress and drink champagne all night. There we are. And pretend I'm in The Great Gatsby, but with less death. <laughs> Hopefully less death. Hopefully less death, Hopefully yeah. Hopefully less death. Fancy sitting like a light up just at the end of the garden, just like to go... <laughs> just off, just you know, give it the whole ambiance. Yes. I think we should do that. <laughs> you buy the light. <laughs> okay, I'll nip up to V&M and get one now. <laughs> but no, we do wish you a happy Christmas. Have um, a lovely time. I uh, hope Santa spoils you. Absolutely. And yeah, that's about it. So that's goodbye from me. 